Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain, where each episode we'll sit down with entrepreneurs, investors, and industry veterans to discuss innovation, technology, and the most exciting opportunities in trucking and logistics as we build the future of supply chain together. Be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Now, let's get into the show. Here's our host, Santosh Sankar. Hey, welcome back to the Future Supply Chain Podcast. I'm your host, Santosh Sankar, and with me today is Shastri Mahadeo, the founder and CEO of Union Crate. Hey, Shastri, welcome. Hey, how's it going, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm, I'm super excited to, to have you on because you're focused on solving a problem that might be uh, more near and dear and tangible to some of our listeners um, at um, uh, the Future Supply Chain Podcast. But, you know, would love to kind of get a quick intro on you and what you're building uh, up there in New York City at Union Crate. Yeah, sure. So a quick intro on me. Um, I've been in consumer goods for about, you know, five to six years now. And Union Crate kind of spawned based on a problem that I found running uh, my CPG company. Uh, so what Union Crate does is it's a supply chain platform that simplifies demand planning and uh, daily operations specifically for consumer goods companies. Uh, we've built just a suite of products that are designed specifically for uh, the complexities that a uh, a brand or a distributor might, might face. Yeah. And uh, when we kind of break down the status quo of demand planning, you know, give us an idea how that's currently dealt with at some of our, you know, uh, favorite brands like Kraft or Nestle, so on and so forth. Yeah, um, sure. So, so a lot of the brands today, and I think let's, let's talk about brands that are doing over a billion dollars in revenue, um, their processes are still pretty, pretty archaic. Um, what they're doing is that, you know, they're still relying on past internal sales performance of a product or a customer and a very simplistic view of how historical consumption trends uh, is happening and using that data to predict future demand. Now, what they're doing is they're manually analyzing a lot of this data using methods that are about 100 years old. And it's, <laughs> what it happens is that it results in a huge financial loss for the company, you know, what they do is that they'll have a lot of their, their sales data or their supply data sitting in ERP systems or uh, systems like SAP provides. And then they're buying data from people like Nielsen, IRI, and SPINs, which are giving them the sales of consumer behavior data. Now, typically within these organizations, these two data sets are pretty separated and siloed. Mm-hmm. So they have to have people that are manually sitting in between this to analyze that data. Like you have... Uh, if you, you're buying data from like a company like Nielsen, for example, you, you're paying people to sit there to manually analyze this. Now, it's not humanly possible for someone to analyze all this data in the time that a CPG company actually needs it to, need it to be actionable for them. And as a result of that, you know, uh, IBF, which is the Institute of uh, Business Forecasting, did a research, I believe it was last year or the year before, that for companies doing over a billion dollars in revenue, that, that, for every 1% in forecast error that they have can cost the company about $6 million. And if we break wow. that down even further, for every 1% in an over forecast will result in a $4 million loss. Every 1% in a under forecast will result in a $2 million loss. 
Now, that is just 1%. Now, currently where the industry is now today, the average forecast error rate is anywhere from uh, 50. Sorry, no, it's anywhere from uh, 60, uh, 50 to 60% is error rate is what they're facing now because I'm just doing the math in my head because of what the actual actually is. Um, but so imagine if a company is has an error rate of 50 to 60% uh, and they're losing 50% times $4 million or 50 times $4 million, it's a huge loss mm-hmm. every single year for these companies. Yeah. And um, it, it sounds like there are two problems here. The first problem is that the data that's being used is not necessarily indicative of the actual demand side of their business. Huh? And then second of all, right. they are um, conducting operations that computers are better suited to do rather than humans. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, uh, I guess I'll, I'll say it this way now. Majority of the way that consumers are buying products now is completely different than they were 10 years ago, right? You know, before you would have just a certain channel that a person might shop in. So they might be buying products at a Walmart or they might be buying products at a Whole Foods. But now people are buying products in multiple places. And what is driving them to buy that product is completely different. Did they go on Amazon because they just wanted something that was fast shipping? Or did they buy a product because an influencer said they should buy a product? Did they buy a specific product because it was like gluten-free and now gluten-free is trending, right? Mm -hmm. So I think now there's so many factors that play into why a person might buy a product. These systems that were built that they're using cannot cannot take those data points into consideration when creating a demand plan and understanding why a consumer is buying a product. So they have people that are sitting there analyzing this information. What we've tried to do, what we do now is we take all that data in and and automate the analysis of that information to find a pattern to understand why you're consuming buying a product at a specific location and relate that back to the demand planning process. Does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah. And um, to kind of d- dig into that more, uh, it it sounds like you're able to take uh, third-party data. You're able to take the data that the company already has in their existing systems and reorganize it in a way that is more helpful as one conducts their analysis. Is that is that a, a fair it, understanding Yes, exactly. Um, what we, we're, we've created a unique way to classify products based on consumer demand, where majority of the CPG company is taking whatever internal data that they have and whatever third-party data that they have and using a method or a rule that's, you know, again, created a very long time ago. So we've identified a method, a method of classifying products, method of classifying products according to customers in real time according to the purchase pattern of a specific location by marrying those two data sets together. And it's not just the marrying of the data, but really understanding uh, how that data is relevant to a specific product or specific location where that product's being sold. Could you uh, provide an example? Say like we're talking about a milk chocolate candy bar. The, the what candy bar? Just a milk chocolate candy bar, like your, 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 your plain Jane candy bar. Yeah, so how we would forecast for that essentially, uh, typically now a customer might, or like let's say a brand that's selling candy bars might say, hey, well, 
how does the industry define the category that a candy bar might sit into, right? So they might say that candy bar fits into like either a baking category or like a confectionery category. Now, what the planning teams are essentially doing is they're taking the third-party data and looking at how that overall category is going to perform. Now, the problem with that analysis, so, so basically they're saying that all candy bars would fit into a baking category because that's how that company defines it. But what if that candy bar did not fit into a baking category, but it fit into a completely different, like a dessert category or like a confectionery category in a different location because consumers are buying those products uh, uh, with combined with like a different set of products. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm trying to like simplify yeah. it. And, and yeah. So basically what our system does, our system essentially takes that product and looks at the product for what it actually is, not just what it's called. So we're looking at the product down to ingredients, to nutrition, to various attributes. Is it like low in sugar? Is it like high protein candy bar? Is it like a high fat? Is it like a organic candy bar? And looking at similar products that are being purchased in that specific location and create our own dynamic classification for that product. So now instead of relying on a, a very archaic classification of how a customer might define a product, we're dynamically creating a grouping of products based on a specific location and then essentially forecasting for all of the products within that that are going to sell in that location. Understood. I think that hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, for our listeners to, to kind of break it down, um, it sounds like there are a lot of uh, preconceived beliefs or, or, or pre-held beliefs and what you're able to do is using data, you're able to say a candy bar in New York City is actually better classified as a um, confectionery item versus a baking item. Um, and it might be a baking or a item, item or a gifting item. Right. And based on that reclassification, which in and of itself is data driven, you're able to help a brand better forecast the demand relative to their uh, age-old status quo process that they've never really tested or changed. It's just been in place and, and never questioned. Exactly, because, you know, to, to take that even a step further, now, for example, let's say that you, you think, and seasonality plays into this, into this as well, right? Like you say candy fits into something that people buy for baking and you're forecasting based on this is an everyday product or every month product people are going to buy because of like it's it's a household staple now your forecast is naturally going to be higher because you assume that people are buying this as an everyday item versus a location that might buy as a confectioner or a gifting item where the the demand is going to be a lot lower because they're only buying at special locations so you see how that classification or how that product is being defined actually is very important to how a company will forecast what the mm -hmm. demand is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, it's not only just like the data, you know, what makes us good at what we do and really accurate at what we do is because, you know, we come from the industry. We know how these businesses are viewing the product and how, how they're viewing the world, which is something that's very hard for someone to learn. Um, and that gives us a bit of the advantage is that we already know uh, how they're viewing it and what's the better way to view that. Yeah. So, as you're uh, providing a more informed way of classifying products and providing a more detailed way of forecasting the demand, what, what are the difference in results and, and what are you empowering here that was not, um, you know, around or um, feasible prior to Union Crate existing? 
Yeah, so m- most companies uh, prior to us, uh, what they would do, and, and this is things that like Neo Center Spins or IR would provide, is that they'll try to provide some sort of like category demand without even this kind of dynamic classification. Like we've figured out, and it took us over a year to build this because it's very complicated to understand how to do that, but they're going to provide some sort of like category demand. Now, uh, what makes what makes us better positioned now is that we're taking that demand that we found, that consumer demand, and translating it back to a supply chain process. Most companies prior to us would say, okay, here's the demand number. You go figure out what that means for logistics, what that means for sales, what that means for marketing. Mm-hmm. We're saying what the, the product we have, which is Almanac, we're selling them a product that takes that demand forecast or the demand, that prediction and automatically translates it into something that's useful for someone sitting in logistics or someone sitting in sales or someone sitting in marketing. So they don't have to spend time trying to guess what this actually means for that cross-functional area of their business. Yeah. And that did not exist uh, prior to us. So, so not only are you able to provide them with an automated um, improved forecast, you're then able to distill that into actionable insights and really spur change up and down the supply chain for a CPG brand. Exactly. I mean, most companies or most people typically, you know, you know, 10, 10 years ago, uh, the forecast or demand planning was very supply driven. And then we went into this trend of it being very demand driven. But, the, you know, we believe that the right way to look at this is to look at uh, supply chain holistically. So where it has a piece of the supply side of it, and it has a piece of the demand and consumption side of it. It's not one or the other. Mm-hmm. We're building where our platform our system is looking at supply chain holistically. Uh, and I think that is what where the future of supply chain is actually headed and where we think the most benefit is actually going to be. And that didn't exist before because you'll see language of companies uh, saying, hey, we're demand driven forecast or we're supply driven forecast or whatever it may be. But you know, what if we just put those two together and make it a holistic yeah. Uh, forecast? Yeah, that makes sense. So I want to shift our conversation here because from when we first met, I've always been um, really interested in the Stargate offering that that you guys have. Yeah. But would love to kind of hear your um, kind of overview on it. Why does it exist? Because I actually think that's where a lot of interesting opportunity exists, especially for CPGs as they start to rationalize the data that they're sitting on. Yeah, hundred percent. And we, you know, I am very excited about Stargate. I mean, obviously it's always good to, uh, our, our, the forecasting and predictions is is at the core of what we do, but we think five years from now, Stargate is going to be at the core of what we do. Um, How Stargate essentially came to be is that when we started working with a lot of these companies, we had to figure out a way to centralize all of the data and all of the, the daily processes that they had going on. So we created an internal way to centralize um, all of their legacy systems to like integrate all of the, the, their e-com versus their retail and, and so on and so forth. And they found that very valuable because it gave them one place to manage their entire business. So what's, and the reason why, that's why we call it Stargate. So what Stargate essentially does is it'll take, all of your data you have coming in from a brick and mortar store and put it in one platform. Uh, then you have everything e-com related coming into one platform because you got to remember each specific e-com retailer or even like direct to consumer channel like Shopify or whatever have you uh, is all sending data in different formats mm-hmm. and in different methods or require different dashboards. Um, and then 
you know, your suppliers or your warehouses, right? I'm sure Cord knows of this as well. Like, if you have to, if you have inventory sitting in multiple warehouses across the United States, you either have to call the warehouse, you have to send an email or a fax to understand what inventory you actually have there. Now, Stargate integrates with all the warehouses that you have, all the suppliers that you have, all of your 3PLs that you have. So you have one centralized omni-channel holistic view of your entire business. The reason why Stargate's really exciting for us is because imagine what that can become over time, that we can essentially create a brand new infrastructure or a supply chain OS, if you will, to have every single brand, every retailer, every 3PL warehouse connected on one platform. Yeah, no, I, I am... Um, at- I am super bullish on the Stargate product because as I see you continue to grow, the the needs of um, a lot of these brands continue to mature. There needs to be a common fabric that they work off of, and it, it feels like yep. Stargate could be that common fabric. So it's it, it, it's super exciting to uh, stay abreast of, of what you guys are up to there. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, and you know, like we, we, we see it now, like inclinations of it that, you know, even when we work with like the SME companies, uh, we have like accounting firms that will ask, hey, are you guys like using Stargate and we can do this with all these different things. And that's the conversation that we want to have, right? We want companies to say, hey, are you on Stargate? Or retailers or warehouse say, hey, are you guys using, using Stargate? Because if you're not, then it's going to be hard for us to send you inventory numbers. Mm-hmm. So we already see people starting to talk about it in that way. And that's what we want to do because that also plays into the demand planning aspect of it. The more data we can have clean and standardized running through the platform is uh, allows us to more accurately um, predict what that demand is going to be up and down the entire supply chain. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So you've, you've really made some, some moves here uh, and catalyzed a lot of change in regards to how brands are thinking about the way they forecast demand uh, you've provided them tools to do it uh, from a more bottoms-up perspective in a more holistic way. Where do you see the broader CPG supply chain going? Because everything at the end of the day is hinged on customer demand. So w- how do you see this continue to mature, continue to develop, especially uh, as we uh, describe the importance of Stargate and uh, this common data fabric that it holds yeah um it's a good question i think what we're going to see two two things happen i think one we're going to see companies uh switching their like switching their focus from being very reactive to being very proactive right and what that means is that majority of the people sitting in these organizations are focusing on how to make their supply chain responsive uh what i will be we believe is that they're going to focus on you know like making it more proactive so they don't have to react to everything that's happening. And because they're not spending time on reacting to something that's happening, they can actually spend time on giving customers what they actually want, right? Mm -hmm. So that means that customers want personalization. They want products faster. They They want all these things that most CPG companies cannot give them because they're too focused on running a supply chain for rather than giving the customer what they actually need. Um, uh, you know, two-day shipping, one-day shipping, if you knew exactly where your demand is going to be for a product, right, couldn't you actually get the product to the customer faster because you preemptively know that you should store your product in this location? Yeah. So I think what, what what's going to happen in CPG moving forward is that once these 
processes and, you know, once, you know, hopefully union create gets in, into, into these organizations, the conversation will now switch is, okay, how can we make our customers faster, uh, our customers happier? How can we improve our bottom line? And how can we um, simplify the way that we're doing things so that we can even tr- uh, trickle down the cost savings to our customers? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes absolute sense. And, and I think um, one thing for our listeners is you're, you're walking in and you're, you're changing age old process, right? You're talking about a hundred, 150 yeah. year old activities that have, haven't really changed. But if you look at everything around us, the way we're consuming is changing. So, so, so the methodologies uh, do need to ultimately mature and, and adapt. But uh, with that, Shastri, you know, this is awesome. I think it's a, it's a really tangible, recognizable way as to how uh, data can impact us uh, day in and day out as we think about the supply chain. And uh, look forward to having you uh, on our podcast soon. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a five-star review and tell us what you liked. And be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Until next time.